a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Maria Shaleos, Tom Bettis with you on this beautiful Saturday morning. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Our next listener, Ton, is wondering if aeration is still beneficial for fairy ring if you have sandy soil. It can be because there's a buildup of organic matter. The other thing that you can do with your soil is get your hose with a high-pressure nozzle and just stick it into the ground six inches to a foot every few inches around the fairy ring. So you're going three or four inches here and there, and that will help break up some of that organic matter and aerate. But if you have it in a sandy soil, I would maybe just use the hose first, but then fertilize to see if that helps mask it. Okay. Mike is on the line in West Valley. Good morning, Mike. What was your question? Good morning. I uh, planted two pear trees, and they both died on me, and I don't know where to draw them. Well, when did you plant them? Uh, last spring. Okay. So so spring of 2022? Uh, three. Spring of 2023. Okay. And then... Once they were planted, how often were they irrigated? I tried to to do it about once a week, keep them wet. Okay. And then what time of the summer did you really notice they were declining? Uh, About the middle of the summer, the leaves turned brown and and started falling off and turning yellow. Okay. So did you see any blossoms on them this spring? I have one tree that had little pears. Okay, and then did you start seeing the dieback from where the blossoms or pears were toward the trunk of the tree, or is it just the tree started to decline in general? The whole tree declined. Okay, so that would most likely I, I rule out the uh, fire blight disease that will kill from the blossoms back. And it sounds like they were getting too much or too little water. Uh, is your soil well drained? Uh, on that side, it is. It's right next to the main highway. Okay, and so if you dug a hole and you know foot deep and filled it with water, it would drain off within a couple of hours. It, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, okay. it's about a thirty forty degree angle. Okay, I'm thinking that the pears may not have gotten enough water. I can't be sure. But if it that soil, if you're on a slope and it's already fairly well drained, that would be my most likely 
reason for them to go down. And what I would do if you tried to replant them is maybe water twice a week and see if that helped. Okay. Could there be a fungus? I doubt it because the trees would have died at different times. And if both of them started to decline at the same time, that's usually environmental. Okay. All right. Well, that answers my question. Okay. All right, Mike. Thanks for your call this morning. Ton, what is the natural progression for a pumpkin vine? So I planted my pumpkins. They're beautiful. The vine is beautiful. Then they started to look kind of like they're getting white, mildewy kind of stuff on them. The vines are looking pretty scary right now, but I have some pretty good-sized pumpkins. Is that usually what happens, or is that a mildew that's – what's happening there? In mid-September, powdery mildew starts to become a problem in the cucurbit. So the zucchinis, the summer squash, winter squash pumpkins, even you know cucumbers, and it's just a natural thing. You can purchase powdery mildew-resistant seed online fairly easily, but by mid-September, a lot of those pumpkins and things, especially if they're overhead watered, really start to get powdery mildew once the nighttime temperatures are consistently below 60. And there's not much you can do about it? Oh, as soon as you see it, you could try some fungicides that are registered for garden use, even something like neem oil may slow it down. If you slow it down by just even a week or two, that can help immensely. But a lot of times the pumpkins will have, well, the pumpkin plants have the pumpkin fruit that are green. And if they're of size, it's worth, if the plants are just dead, it's worth picking them, taking them into your garage or another protected area and just letting them sit because a lot of times they will turn orange still. Okay. How long does it usually take them to turn orange? Like, I mean, should I just leave if, it out there on the ground and tell it orange? Well, I would bring it in if the why, plant yeah, why isn't are you supporting saying bring it. it in? Well, it, you don't want it to sit in the garden with the parent plant not supporting it. I just, if it's extra wet or something, it's just, it seems like it's a little more likely to rot. Mm. And so I... The best thing to do, and I know everybody doesn't have just pallets laying it down, laying down, <laughs> but a lot of they, times pumpkins are stored on a pallet or with some air circulation underneath them. And right now it's the 16th, and so we have 45 days to Halloween. And so between now and then, a lot of those pumpkins would ripen. But if there is some part of the plant that's alive and still seems to be supporting it, maybe just leave them until leave that starts yes. to die back. Yeah. Okay. And then what causes the pumpkins, how, how do they turn orange? What causes them to turn orange? Well, so the, the temperature, what happens It's not that the plant, they progress to a certain point that the plant considers the pumpkin mature. And what will happen is those pumpkins turn from a green and they start putting a, uh, we're called carrot, carrot, the carrot color, carotenoids, <laughs> I guess, carotenoids. <laughs> It's too early to try to <laughs> pronounce those words, <laughs> but uh, it's a sign to let animals and things that would feed on the pumpkins know that it's ripe. Those pumpkins are sticking out like a sore thumb. And so that sign of ripening is actually the plant saying, yeah, come eat this fruit and swallow the seeds and transport them somewhere so that they will grow more pumpkin plants. And so it's just smart plants. Yeah. When fruit ripens and goes from green to, you know, the red or yellow or whatever it is, 
that's just a sign the plant is putting out that the fruit is available to be fed on. Okay, interesting. And so when they're mature, that's when the plant sends out that sign and that's when they start to turn. Yes. So if they're still green, that means the plant doesn't think they're ready. It may not. You know, it could be, but the pumpkins still have a good chance of turning orange, especially if you find a mostly green pumpkin with any hint of orange or yellow. Mm -hmm. Those will change. Okay, good to know. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Lois is on the line this morning in Bountiful. And good morning, Lois. What was your question? Uh, We have a redbud tree planted about two or three months ago. We've watered it two or three times a week, deep watered, while it's been so hot. But now that they're turning off our secondary water and it, it's looking good, but I'm wondering what the watering should be if we should continue to uh, deep water every so often or what the schedule should be. I would consider not watering it so much. If the soil is moist around the tree, there's no reason to water it. And with the cooling temperatures, then I would maybe cut back to once a week, then maybe every, you know, 10 days to two weeks. It just, with the cooler temperatures, it just doesn't need as much water. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for your call this morning, Lois. Uh, Kevin was on the line. His call dropped, but he was talking about growing squash. And I'm wondering if he got some of the information we were talking about on the powdery mildew. Uh, You were talking about seeds, though, how you can buy seeds that are resistant to powdery mildew. Tell me a little bit more about that. In pumpkins, the seeds will say PMR sometimes or something similar for powdery mildew resistance. And it doesn't mean that the pumpkins won't get powdery mildew, but it might buy you another two or three weeks, which is really good if you can get those pumpkins into late September. So those that's one strategy, but if you know that you're going to get powdery mildew, even if you rotate your pumpkins, it may even be wise to get some neem oil or, you know, that's, I keep saying neem oil because it is a 
it has some fungicidal properties that will delay powdery mildew by at least a week or two if you use it regularly starting in early September. Mm -hmm. And so those would be the options, but watering through drip or a hose so that you're not getting the canopy wet can help. Planting your pumpkins and other squash in an area that gets some wind to help evaporate water off Mm. more quickly if they do have overhead water on them. But we've been getting monsoonal moisture, you know, it seems like weekly, and that just makes a really tough situation to try to keep the powdery mildew out of our squash. And there's nothing you can do in the spring other than rotate your crop, right? There's not. And the pumpkins are not likely to get powdery mildew in the spring, and so there's no reason to be spraying or anything until late August or early September. Okay. Uh, I know why I got powdery, powdery mildew. My drip line is down because we had to cut the line for some construction work. And so we've been just watering by hose. And, of course, that's overhead watering, right? It is. And that could make things a little bit, make the powdery mildew advance more quickly. But you still could have gotten powdery mildew Without all the that, same so with drip. I shouldn't drip. feel too bad no, about you that. you shouldn't. Okay, fine. I'm blaming construction on my in my Good. yard on everything. So, uh, Next listener would like to know, how do you get rid of hairy crabgrass? What is hairy crabgrass? It's just a type of crabgrass. And if it's true crabgrass, whether we've got two or three species of crabgrass here, mm-hmm. I would just use the pre-emergent in the spring. So you'd put it down sometime in early to mid-April. And then again, and this is where we go wrong, it needs to usually be applied again 60 days later. Ah. Because the pre-emergent wears out, but the crabgrass doesn't stop germinating. So but we put it on. We think it's a done deal, and we really are not doing If you're not, lawn isn't super healthy, then it can come back. But you need to ask why it's there and try to fix that. And then there are a lot of grasses that look like crabgrass, at least the leaves do, that are not. And so if you did your pre-emergent twice and did it correctly and you have a weedy grass, it most likely is not uh, the uh, crabgrass. So more research on the type of grass is needed. All right, Kim is on the line in Linden. Good morning, Kim. What was your question? Good morning. Hey, uh, I have a question about earthworms in my lawn. My lawn used to be really super smooth. Over the last few years, I have castings that's been created by those earthworms. So it's horrible right by a mower over that, that lawn now. How do I take care of the castings or those bumps in the lawn? Well, if you're getting a lot of earthworm castings in your lawn, that's usually a sign that you have compacted soil, overwatering, and maybe you know heavy clay, which a lot of the Linden area may have, depending on where you're situated in the city. And so I would look at your irrigation and... Is through the summer, see if you can water less often so that the soil dries out a little bit and then implement, and if you're not already, uh, aerate every spring. But as far as the existing mounds, there's not much you can do. I've seen, and I don't know the company's names, there's a couple of companies out there that are using laser leveling to take your lawn down to just the crowns. So almost the entire lawn is gone and you let it regenerate. That's very damaging, but it can work. Otherwise, you pretty much 
I've heard of people using a dethatcher to where they'll set it really low to at least knock the tops off. But once that starts happening, the longer term solution, term solution is to try to water less often, aerate more often, and just fix that. But short, what do you do with a lumpy lawn that there's not a lot of good solutions? Okay, that's kind of what I was afraid to hear. <laughs> so, uh, aeration, I've done aeration, aeration in the fall, is that? It's fall, uh, yeah, fall oh. and spring, if it's really bad. And that will help prevent more of it, you know, even a few inches, but then set your sprinkler so you're only watering twice a week and we'll let that water penetrate more deeply into the soil, but then it dries out between irrigations. Um, when you put down a, a grub killer or like a grub preventative, sometimes a side effect of that is that it reduces the worm population. Which is not usually a good thing in my mind. No, and it's not. It You trade possibly more compaction, but a flatter lawn for fewer earthworms. So yeah. there's, yeah, there's unfortunately not an easy solution. Can you over overtop the lawn with, let's say, a sandy, loamy material? Go back to that. Yeah, and as hopefully as you water that, the what you top dress with will kind of slough off of the high areas into the low. And you can try that, and you could use just a quarter inch a month of your native soil, or a quarter inch a month of sand or a good, well-drained topsoil if you have to. All right, Kim, thanks right, so much for your call this morning. We're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. Uh, college football fever is in full swing. We want to remind you, today it's BYU in Arkansas. The pregame coverage begins at noon, and our first and 12 coverage is sponsored by Macy's. And when we come back, we're going to talk about bindweed suppression. So stay with us for more of the KSL Greenhouse Show. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.